when our world was much colder, there were more reindeer everywhere. Around the time of what we think of as Christmas, we will begin to see images of the deer with the antlers representing the tree of life, the deer pulling the sled for what we think of as Santa, our father Christmas. But what is less known is that the image that is associated with Santa riding through the skies at night to deliver the gifts isn't really Rudolph. It's a female deer, a doe, a reindeer. The reason that we know this is because at this time, around the winter solstice, she still has her antlers where the buck or the male has already shed his antlers. And so once again, we have nature demonstrating to us an image that has been co-opted. I want to talk a little bit more about the reindeer and the deer mother. But first, I just want to pause and say that I've decided to not talk as much about patriarchy with a capital P because people automatically assume that when we're talking about patriarchy, we're talking about men, and that isn't so. And if you Google what is the opposite of patriarchy, it shows the word matriarchy. That is also not so. Patriarchy is an agreed-upon social structure that has become the level of paradigm such that it's almost invisible and has been largely operating throughout the world, not everywhere, but most places, for approximately ten to 12,000 years. I just want to call it the dominant era. It isn't just a place where men are ruling and making decisions and women are subordinate. Not so. It's much, much more than that. That hierarchy is a function of belief, belief systems held inside of the construct. But the construct is very carefully crafted and designed to such a degree now that all of us, regardless of how we identify from a gender perspective, are barely aware that it's there. It has so become the dominant culture that it is just how it's done. I don't even want to use the word culture because I love the word culture. I want to use the word dominant and I want to use the word era. Era depicts a long range of time in which something is operating. But that thing that is operating is a behavior set that is dominant. Dr. Clarissa Pinkola Estes, who wrote Women Who Won With the Wolves, she calls it the overculture. But it isn't just overculture. It is a form of dominance and ultimately a form of takeover. Now I'm going to talk a little bit about the dear mother. From the British Isles and Lapland, through the Ukraine and Scandinavia and across Siberia, 
there is archaeological evidence in stones and in embroidery and in illustrations that shows an absolute devotion and reverence for the dear mother. Now, why would this be? Why would this one animal have images that represent their horns as the tree of life? Well, there are many theories. And of course, if we think of solstice and the return of the sun, but in colder times, the reindeer was the source of the herd for milk, for food, for clothing. And so if you have something that is absolutely essential to your life, to your very life and breath, then we as humans have often made that source the object of a kind of deification or even a kind of worship and certainly a kind of reverence. So when we think of this image of the reindeer mother at this time bringing gifts into the homes of the people, it's a female mythologically riding in a sleigh with a female reindeer out the front, and she's trimmed in red and white fur much like the image of Father Christmas that, we're, that we know of today. This is a perfect example of an absolute takeover of a storyline. This is dominant era behavior sets. It isn't just a newly invented story that we're expected to subscribe to. It's actually a complete takeover of a pre-existing narrative by indigenous peoples across old Europe, old, old Lapland, places where I'm from. In my bloodline, I have Ukrainian and Irish and Nordic, Finnish. These stories come from places where I'm from. Places where, when we think of what Maria Gambudis, the archaeologist, the archaeomythologist, calls old Europe, it's not how we think of Europe and, quote, white people today. It's very different from the stories that we've been told. Because these areas are rich with culture and story and image and symbol and even with language. When I look at my DNA story moving from the area known as Ethiopia up through ultimately moving into the Ukraine where many of my family members still exist today or did until recently, we can say that at the source of it, these traditions of what we think of as old Europe come from an African source. We can think of the art and the culture as a later incarnation or evolution of who we were 60 to 80,000 years ago. So when I look at the cultures of the Celts and the Laps, and I think of my own relationship to the stories We are not void of story. They're just 
very old and further back in our awareness and because of the dominant era, we are unable to really see and live them. We have to do a lot of searching. I spent a wonderful time in Denmark and was interested by the reality that a lot of the women were wearing images of the Guadalupe because they felt like they didn't have a mother where they were from. So pervasive has been the takeover in Denmark from the tribe of Dan that finding evidence and stories of the mothers of that time was and is challenging because some of them have been completely wiped out. But good news, and this is good news about the World Wide Web, the mother will continue to reveal herself. I once did the cover of a book created by Lucia Birnbaum, who wrote a lot about the Dark Mother, and the title was She is Everywhere, and indeed, she is everywhere. So when I think about the Matrix or the World Wide Web, We have this interesting intersection of time where it feels like it's part of the dominant culture, but at the same time, it's connecting us. And so there's a matriarchal aspect to the web. But what I'm noticing and what I'm reveling in and what I'm appreciating is that once and for all, the images of the feminine demonstrate a very different storyline than the dominant culture is telling, and especially regarding stories where there's been an absolute takeover by existing indigenous and pagan stories. We now know we can look it up because people from around the world are reporting from their villages, letting us know, yes, there's a dear mother in this village. Yes, she's carved into the stone. Yes, she's the most ancient tattoo on a woman's body, a woman who was royalty flanked by men and planted into the ground with food and animals to represent who she was. We're starting to be able to put the pieces together. What I love about She Is Everywhere is that no matter what the dominant era has tried to do to root out our awareness of our root system of being connected to mother, what I call matrika. She cannot be kept down. Because the art and the stories are everywhere. She is appearing all across the world, demonstrating an earlier tribal culture where women and images of the goddess were revered and cared for and woven into art. So it is because of that reason that we focus so powerfully on the term archaeomythology brought forward by Maria Gambutas, a Lithuanian archaeologist who is largely responsible for an incredible body of work demonstrating so much of the area known as Moldova and the Ukraine and Lithuania, focusing on the Kukutini Tripilia era, where some of the largest temple sites have been located. Her work, 
She terms archaeomythology from the framework that to separate the findings from the stories of the land and the people does not indicate the real story of the people or the culture. And so that framework for me allows me to take a deeper look at not just the findings, but what do the findings show us about who the people were? What does the worship of the dear mother or the the reverence for the dear mother in so many different locations demonstrate to us that, of course, it was much colder, but also that we respected our land, our warmth, our food source, and the co-creative relationship that our species had with large animals who guided us into the future. Showing the way. I think now of those beautiful antlers demonstrating a tree of life with lights on the end as the rain is falling. This holiday season, we had what we called a misfit Christmas. It was called together because there were so many people who were not with family, including us. We had the idea for misfit because it's connected to our lineage because Lenore Thomas Strauss considered herself a misfit and wrote it in her books, but also from the idea of Rudolph, the land of misfit toys. So it's interesting that on Misfit Christmas, when we shared what we were present to, we passed around a horn, an antler from our family lands. An antler was passed as each person spoke into their presence. We're creating new traditions. It can be challenging to create new traditions and not enter into the dominant era ourselves by copying and duplicating earlier traditions, especially if you don't have recent awareness of your family's indigenous nature, although at some point we all were indigenous to somewhere. But today, speaking to you about the dear mother, comes from the places where my people are from. And so it is with sorrow and with joy that I invite you to take a look at and consider how many stories we've been told that do not represent the true story, that have been an ultimate takeover. The artwork demonstrates the truth. If you look at even modern photographs of women shamans around the area of Siberia and Lapland in the Ukraine. You can see that their colors and their outfits trimmed in white fur are so reminiscent of what we think of as Santa. These women are carrying often large frame drums and can be seen to this day feeding reindeer out of their hands. The archaeomythology of our ancestors is emerging and so for that I honor the web because no matter what the stories are rising we're connecting up the red threads my husband Jonathan and I were married in the church of my ancestors the orthodox church and there's a ancient tradition where they take a white cloth woven with red thread and they wrap it around your hands and you go in a circle in the ceremony 
three times while the priest, our priest, Father Michael, sings. These ancient traditions make their way into the current traditions. And thankfully for me, the tradition of my ancestors kept a mother in Christmas. Mother Mary. She sits on the throne in almost every single Orthodox church across the world. She is there in some way at the center. And at the Hagia Sophia, she is still there. She's there even in places where there has been a dominant takeover of a temple. It's one of the reasons I could stay in the tradition as long as I did. Because half of the sanctuaries are painted with women saints and stories. Images like Mary Magdalene holding her spices for the anointing were never taken over by what the Catholic Church did by indicting Mary Magdalene as a prostitute, which has nothing to do with her story. It's a perfect example of a dominant culture, a dominant takeover, a dominant era. And yet in almost all of these patriarchal traditions, and many Orthodox would say they are not patriarchal, but in many of these traditions, if you look, you can find the mother is there. She is truly everywhere in all of the major traditions that are patristic in nature and have a hierarchy which puts female and other gendered as second. The mother is there. Look for her in your own traditions. Look for her in the land of your ancestors. Look for her and find her. Rematriate the seeds of your own life with an awareness that it hasn't always been this way. For you, it might not be the dear mother or an image of Mother Mary holding her baby. It may be a green Tara. It may be the hand of Fatima. It may be the Guadalupe, an image of the feminine from the past 500 years, which represents the most visited, one of the most visited sacred sites in the entire world. Her image is literally mass produced and multiplied because the mother will not be kept out of the story. She will reproduce her image over and over and over. I'll be revealing a timeline of the Divine Mother to the community soon. There have been many, many timelines done. There's no need to duplicate it. I just have some different emphasis I want to put in different eras and make it understandable to someone who doesn't study archaeomythology and the matriarchy. But I'm making a new mark on the timeline. And this new mark might be considered inappropriate to some, but I'm making it anyway. And it's a mark of representation of right now, of this time in our history where the feminine is being revealed. She isn't returning because she never went anywhere, but she is returning in our own hearts. By our community alone over the past 25,000 years, that's funny, 
25 years, over the past 25 years in our community in connection with intentional creativity, there have been thousands of images created, maybe 10,000, who knows? We have over 30,000 people who receive my communications and I'd already reached 100,000 people over 15 years ago. My book, Color of Woman, was printed 10,000 times, and that was a long time ago, but it's still in production today. So I know by the hands of the women in our family and the men who have loved us that the image of the feminine has been painted and drawn over and over and over. If you imagine a spot of light on the antlers of the mother deer across the world, every place that someone in our community has taught or shared an image of the feminine with, we would see an astonishing number of lights. Imagine it with me. Imagine that if someone came from another dimension or perhaps off planet, and we're able to take a look at the archaeomythology of our community. Every place there was a light would be many, many places. So I'm declaring at this time and in this place, the images of the feminine have been returned. They are returned. And so now I ask, what will we become now that we are no longer without a mother and we are recovering from a motherlessness, we've been behaving as motherless children, not just women, all, all, all. And so for some of us, especially myself, I declare the dominant era complete in my own heart and in my own work. So this holiday season, as I honor the mothers of many traditions, as I give thanks to Mother Mary and her baby Yeshua, as I give thanks for the memory of the dear mother and the reclaiming of the awareness that she is the one with the antlers at this time of solstice in certain places in the world, not in all, but in the places that are wintering now, I declare the dominant era complete. And let the era begin that is coming. I don't know what the name of it is, it isn't a return to matriarchy, although there are things to learn. When we were a matriarchy, and we were a matriarchy, I don't know who we will become. And I know that there's a time of repair, a time of rematriating, which is a term that has to do with a returning to the original seeds and the original stories. I'm using it metaphorically. But this is a cycle of rematriation for each one of us, because we must recover the mother for ourselves and our own souls. We must recover the understanding that we all came from women. We must recover the understanding that we do indeed have a root system and that we all came from mothers and that we are all kin. We are all siblings. But if we do not have the images clear of images like the dear mother and mother of the solstice instead of Father Christmas as the dominant image. We won't be able to rematriate. And so I call this process matrica, 
It's the coming of the awareness of the archaeomythology of where we've been as a people. And then choosing at a certain point a threshold, a matrica threshold in each of our lives that we will hold the awareness of the mother regardless of our genders. And so this is an invitation, not an indictment, although my voice sometimes becomes fierce and my tears rise in this moment. To even think about a world that does not honor the mother and the children isn't a world I want to live in. I can't believe this has been allowed to thrive. But for me, and largely for many people in our community, the dominant era is completing. And it starts with the decolonization of the world we live in within ourselves first. We can't wait for the external world to recognize this change. We must first recognize it within ourselves. And so it is.